2: And hello again, everybody, and welcome into another edition of Wild Sports Talk. It is episode number 32 on this Wednesday evening, uh, November 4th, 2020, as usual, folks. Suited and booted and ready for the ride tonight is, of course, our good buddies, Jonathan Mathis and Isaiah Leung. Yours truly, Cal McClurk from the home studio in San Diego. John Mathis, good to see you, buddy. How are we doing tonight, man? Good to see you
0: hey how's everyone doing man i hope you guys are wonderful tonight i'm excited about the show tonight as always and i'm ready to go guys let's do it
2: let's do it we of course folks say hello to isaiah LeYoung joining us from the garage studios up there in fremont california isaiah good to see you man how we doing on this wednesday night as we're uh, halfway through another week of 2020 I'm doing better, and John. Uh, I woke up this
1: morning, wasn't really doing that well because I, I honestly didn't sleep last night until like 7 a.m. this morning because I was watching all the election results come in. And I was like literally refreshing Twitter nonstop every freaking like 30 seconds just to try to get updated on the election it was like how you know how nba free agency was when lebron uh was deciding between going to the lakers or going back to cleveland or going to the philadelphia 76ers i was like how laker fans were doing back in 2018 free agency when i was just nonstop checking twitter but You know, uh, I'm doing better, man. The coffee definitely gave me a lift. And also the uh, the pumpkin muffin that I got here, the little pumpkin muffin, definitely gave me a lift. So thank you, those two, for that. But, man, Cal and John, I've learned my lesson, man. Never, ever, ever go on social media past 2 a.m. Because like the great Ted Mosby from How I Met Your Mother said, Nothing good ever happens after 2 a.m. And last night I did some stupid thing on social media that I guarantee you a lot of my Facebook friends, they they know what it's about. But I did something stupid on social media and now I have to live with that consequence, which is I have to wear a damn cheese head on Friday to no BS.
2: And we'll get to that game, folks, momentarily. But, of course, folks, we invite your input, of course, your questions, your comments or your concerns throughout the course of our program. We'll do our best to, as usual, folks, read your commentary live here on the air again up until we uh, decide or at least until the cows come home here on this Wednesday. With that, of course, guys, in mind, it is week nine of the NFL season. About roughly 24 hours away, though. But, guys, not the best news, though, concerning the upcoming Thursday night football game between Green Bay and San Francisco. The game right now currently still on the schedule, but marred, though, by multiple or at least COVID-19 uh, test results done uh, with A.J. Dillon of the Packers. Two players told the quarantine on Green Bay and also a potential outbreak amongst the 49ers. Though, but However, though, this game will, in fact, be played. As of now, and still as of Wednesday night, here uh, for Green Bay and for the Niners from Levi Stadium. You know, John, you and I were talking a little bit pre show here. I said my piece earlier Wednesday morning about the situation, but John, John, we'll let you, uh, uh, John, we'll let you start first, though, man. Uh, John, what do you make about the situation? Because right now, it's a very puzzling time right now as Week 9 begins on Thursday. Very troubling, very concerning, very weird, though, that we have uh, of how we have seen this uh, sort of ordeal come to fruition right now with uh, these COVID cases among Green Bay and among San Francisco. But, John, give us your thoughts here about the entire uh, situation involving COVID with both Green Bay and also with San Francisco.
0: There seems to be no clarity on how the NFL plans on handling these situations. We've seen... Uh, several COVID outbreaks recently, and the NFL has handled them all differently um, by pushing some games back um, or playing some games right away. Um, This is a strange situation here because you're going to allow the game to still go on knowing that there has been a player that tested positive. Um, I don't know how you can go on with this game. I would think you would have to postpone it and schedule it for another date, like a lot of the the other NFL NFL games have been doing. We saw it with the Titans. Uh, they rescheduled a the game. I, I believe it was for a Tuesday night or something like that. Um, you can always reschedule. The games and 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 the great thing about football is that it's a once a week sport. It's not like you're p- playing every other day or every two days. It's not that kind of game, you know. So you can push these uh, games back to a, a, another date, and that's what the NFL should consider here. You don't put players in jeopardy uh, knowing how um, life-threatening or how, uh, you know, deadly this virus is. Why would you want to put players at risk? Um, players that can easily contract this virus because of the level of contagion and this virus spreads rapidly, uh, before you know it, it could be a huge, uh, outbreak, um, in, either locker room, so no, I don't know, I don't know how I feel about this game, no game is that important, Um, you know, this coronavirus pandemic that we have experienced this year is bigger than football, um, and it's all about protecting the players and looking out for for their health, you know, it's about their well-being and keeping these players safe, particularly In times like these, we're living in crazy times now. And I think the NFL needs to do a better job at prioritizing. Isaiah, I said
2: earlier Wednesday morning that I think John and I agreed before the show started, though, that I think a lot of football fans out there want more clarity and more transparency, as you had kind of alluded to in our host chat um, off air, obviously on Facebook, though. But I think it's a valid point, though that there needs to be more transparency and more clarity about what actually it would take for the NFL to, in a way, move a game to a Monday or to a Tuesday, to a Friday or a Saturday. Because as I had said, though, on Wednesday morning, there seems to be a good contingent plan for clarity in college football right now, where it seems to me if a team reaches a certain threshold number of cases, either Wisconsin or Florida, or teams down in in uh, in, uh, in um, conference USA, those games get wiped off the board and moved to a separate day or moved somewhere as the week progresses. In uh, in my mind, but Isaiah, we don't have that type of clarity or transparency in the NFL. Things are very hush hush uh, hush hush kind of quiet. And again, we don't really know what really would tell the NFL to move a game to a different day, though. But Isaiah, I think that a lot of us are on to good points, though. But Isaiah. Your thoughts, though, on the entire situation plaguing both uh, clubs right now as they still somehow way plan to play Week 9's uh, first game of the week starting on Thursday at Levi Stadium on Thursday from Santa Clara?
1: I think the fact – well – Yeah, I think right now, this situation just shows you that favoritism exists in the NFL. The fact that the NFL won't cancel or not even cancel, but reschedule this 49ers game is just utterly ridiculous to me. So right now, the 49ers, they've had to shut down their facility today because of uh, someone testing positive for covid Uh, From what I've gathered, they did have a short practice before that result came in. And then everybody went home because they had to uh, clear out the facility and they had to close the facility down. So a lot of the players on the 49ers could have been exposed to this virus because they were in the same proximity as Kendrick Bourne, the wide receiver for the 49ers, who tested positive for the coronavirus. So, And now you're not even going to postpone the game like just because, yeah, you're not going to postpone the game uh, to see who has COVID and who doesn't. I just think that this is a terrible situation by the NFL, and I think they're putting their players uh, even more at risk Than they already are because who knows tomorrow you could see um, that the 49ers could have an outbreak because uh, all these players were around 49ers wide receiver Kendrick Bourne during that practice before they closed the facility. So I just think that it's utterly ridiculous. Um, And I just think that, you know, getting back to my favoritism point, I just think that if this had been Aaron Rodgers, the game would have been moved to next week literally 30 minutes after the announcement the fact that these guys that tested positive are good players but they they're not like brand name that's why the NFL aren't moving this game because they're not brand name players and the NFL they just you know they don't want to lose money from not having a Thursday night football game so i think that's why like they're not moving it but i just think it's ridiculous
2: John, I get Isaiah's point, though, but I would probably disagree, though, in regards to the favoritism being shown. I, I get where the parallel being drawn here again. If this was Kansas City, if this was New England, if this was, you know, another marquee team that's been good or relevant the past several years, the game would have been moved, though. I, I disagree on that aspect, though, but I do think, though, that sadly the timing of the test coming out with this game still on the schedule for Thursday is what I think is – is what I think is keeping the NFL – keeping this game on the schedule. If th- if this would have probably been like on Sunday or on Monday, Tuesday even, you know, a good two days beforehand, they probably could have perhaps moved this game, though. But I will have to disagree, though, about the favoritism point, though, because I think it's – the timing more so for me is what I think is not going to wipe this game off the schedule or at least move the game. Now, again, probably something could change, though, over the next several hours into Thursday morning – but I think, John, more so, it's the, the, the timing for me is what I think is why this game has not been moved because the timing of the results coming back. And again, I, and also I would say though that the NFL probably doesn't want to have a Justin Turner situation where you find out in the middle of the game that someone on, you know, it's playing this game has been, uh, been ruled positive with a positive COVID test. But, John, I mean, I get Isaiah's point, though, but do you perhaps agree, though, or what probably sticks out, though, from Isaiah's point, that maybe some favoritism maybe being shown, though, by the league office towards certain teams in regards to postponing games or moving games on the schedule?
0: I don't think there's so much favoritism. I think it's what you just alluded to by uh, saying that these are two marquee teams. This is sort of a rivalry, the Packers and the 49ers. So with this being uh, a primetime game, uh, featuring two marquee teams, the NFL doesn't want to push this game back because they lose revenue. Uh, they lose a lot of money in in TV revenue, and that's huge for them right now. That's huge for the NFL because you don't see a huge turnout um, you know, at stadiums anymore because depending on where the stadium is located, some fans are not allowed to still attend football games. Uh, so TV revenue is huge for the NFL right now. Look, it's a it's a billion dollar enterprise, guys. Um, This is a business. And I, I talked about that before. The NFL is a big money making business. And of course, to them, that's the bigger priority is is money over uh, player safety and over the health of other players. And it shouldn't be like that. But. In the the world that we live in, a lot of things revolve around money, so money becomes the priority and health becomes secondary um, in a lot of situations, and that's what we've seen here. But I do also think that the timing of the situation has uh, played a role in this as well. If this had uh, happened on a Monday, they could have easily pushed this back uh, to a later date And, and, you know, problem solved. But because this happened, uh, what, the night before the game? Correct. They are willing to go on with it. Do I think they should? No. I don't think it's a wise decision by the NFL. I think it's a bad move by the NFL. I think it's a very selfish act by the NFL because, again, you can expose other players to the virus and then – you have a whole whole different uh scenario on things and, and it will just look bad for uh the NFL because if you get a if you get a serious outbreak um you know that could possibly shut down the NFL um that could you know lead to other problems and you don't want that you do not want that at all so I think timing is um One of the factors, I also think that because it's it's two marquee teams playing a primetime game on Thursday night is why the NFL is deciding not to postpone this game. Is it the right decision? No, not at all. I I totally don't agree with this.
2: Isaiah, John and I are in mutual agreement that the timing of the test results coming out, is what is going to keep this game on the schedule. Like we said, though, if this was maybe sometime on Sunday or Monday or Tuesday where you had probably more you know, more time and more leeway to perhaps move this game to Friday or Saturday or add it to the Sunday schedule, then fine and dandy by me, though. But that's what I think, though, is the reason or reasons behind the NFL not moving the game or at least postponing it was because all this stuff came out the day before the ball game. You know, yes, late Tuesday night, into wednesday but at the same time the timing of the confluence of events and for me is why i think this game is going to stay on the schedule isaiah would you uh, we'll let you add on though to your point and
1: that's why i hate it because like you you and john said the timing like this is why the nfl is going to keep it on thursday night football it's because of, of the timing but for me it's like we already know that one person's positive. We know like two other players are not going to play because they came into close contact with him. So my thinking is with these guys positive, are there other players on the 49ers positive? And we won't know that until – tonight's test comes back and probably tomorrow's test comes back and by the time tomorrow's test comes back the game will already be over and like during that game you could have like multiple players playing with covid and then you're going to infect other players with covid and it's just going to turn into a big disaster because you're going to have players with covid playing and infecting other players and this is just going to infect both teams and you could honestly see two outbreaks happening with the 49ers and the green bay packers so i just think this is just a ridiculous decision i don't know why that they can't move it to sunday or move it to monday or even move it to tuesday just to give the 49ers more time to test their players so we don't have a big outbreak happening and also I don't know why they can't give the 49ers more time so they can go out there and sign players to to, uh, replace those players that aren't going to be playing because of COVID. Because right now with how the roster stands, the 49ers are only going to be playing with 45 players out of 53, 45 out of 53. That's that's ridiculous, man. And. Uh, to John's point about this being a marquee game, yes, I know it's on primetime. Yes, I know it's the 49ers and the Green Bay Packers, two um, two of the NFL's big uh brand name franchises. But if you look at both rosters, it's literally gonna be Aaron Rodgers going up against third stringers and fourth stringers. It's not even gonna be a good game to watch.
2: Which also I think uh guys makes this more and more. Of what would become the NFL's version of the Justin Turner situation in regards to a player perhaps playing this game for Green Bay for San Francisco playing the game, and you know the results come back and there was an outbreak or a positive case during the course of the ball game, and then you have yourselves another can of words, a can of worms opening up. But so far, guys, the NFL has done a good job of. Not having this type of situation yet, but how are they knock on wood that nothing comes out of it, though, come week nine. Uh, one quick comment uh, coming in from our good buddy Casey King saying hello to everybody. And the game should we move to Sunday or Monday? Uh, at, at, at the rate we're going, it should have been. But, of course, the NFL's incompetence once again overshadows player health and safety, sadly. But, again, folks, Green Bay and San Francisco, again, is set to take place, folks, tomorrow As we get into this game preview right now, again, Packers and Niners from Levi Stadium up in Santa Clara, California with kickoff at 520 Pacific time on Fox. And also uh, as well, a quick stat to know, but Aaron Rodgers, guys, lifetime, including facing the Niners in the postseason, has a losing record of four and six versus the Niners in his career. Uh, John, give us your thoughts and maybe a a brief uh, preview of this game as mentioned. I know, of course, that uh, Isaiah kind of said it right, though. You know, Aaron Rodgers, the bad man Aaron Rodgers facing a very depleted San Francisco 49ers ball club come Thursday, 5-2 uh, and two Green Bay, 4-4 four and four San Francisco. This matchup again on Fox coming up on uh, Thursday night. John, give us your thoughts about this game on Thursday night between the Pack and the Niners.
0: I think the Packers running back situation is looking dire. Um, I know a writer... Said that I I took that from a writer actually, uh, Jeff Kerr of CBS Sports. Um, you know, the Green Bay Packers are not only facing COVID 19 issues, um, but they're facing a team that they should be able to beat because they have a depleted roster. Um, you know, not all their guys are healthy. Um, this should be an advantage for. The Green Bay Packers going into this game, they should have a chance to pull this game out. You know, I, I know that they travel; they're traveling to San Francisco. Um, you know, to play this game, uh, so that that could be huge on your body. You know, sometimes travel gets to players, but I don't think it'll affect the Green Bay Packers too much. Um, I think the Green Bay Packers uh, will be thin at the running back um, position because Aaron Jones' status remains doubtful. Um, he missed, what, the past three games with a calf injury. Um, you know, Green Bay is down to, what, two running backs, Dexter Williams and uh, Tyler Irvin, And, you know, they just look depleted in the running back department. Which is, which is not good for a guy like Aaron Rodgers who seems to need the running game behind him now. And a lot, a lot of that has to do with Matt LaFleur because we all know Matt LaFleur likes to employ a heavy, you know, run game. Um, that seems to be his philosophy. Um, but Aaron Rodgers, of course, is a, is a pocket-passing quarterback. And that's been his game the entire time that he's been in Green Bay. Uh, I think this is a moment for Aaron Rodgers to step up. He's going to have to have a big performance. And if he does, I think the Green Bay Packers will easily come out with a victory.
2: Isaiah, I know that, of course, the matchup is not does not look good on paper now, as mentioned, with all the uh, ramifications of nine, of the Niners having injuries, the COVID tests going on, and uh, a lot of the other issues plaguing the franchise right now. But, of course, a 5-2 and two Green Bay team leading the NFC North by a half game over the miserable Chicago Bears coming off of another loss to New Orleans this past Sunday. They have their own problems right now. And, of course, the Niners... Cannot afford to lose any more ground ground than a very, very competitive and very good NFC West division where, again, uh, I had predicted on no BS uh, before the season that all these teams, that uh, the entire NFC West division would finish the year at or above 500 right now. And, of course, that seems to be in doubt with the Niners kind of going down the tubes right now and down the drain with how they played so far and, again, having quarterback problems and also, again, big-time injury woes and also their own COVID-19-related issues as well. Isaiah, your thoughts about your Niners' uh, chances facing Green Bay on Thursday night from Levi's?
1: If you had asked me yesterday uh, what I thought, I would have told you. I, I give the Niners a pretty good chance at pulling the upset, but after hearing today's news, I, I just don't really have any hope because right now let, I will take you guys through what the Niners will have on offense tomorrow. The 49ers are missing their starting quarterback. They're going to go with Nick Mullins, the backup, who I think is an upgrade over Jimmy Garoppolo. So that's not, that's going to be a non-issue running backs. The 49ers will be missing their starting running back. They're going to be missing their second string running back. They're going to be missing their third string running back. They're going to be playing their fourth stringer and fifth string running back. Also, The 49ers who already have had an abundance of injuries at wide receiver, their number one and number two wide receiver who are replacing uh, the injured guys, they're going to be out. So the 49ers are going to be down to Trent Taylor as their number one, who is more of a fifth string wide receiver. And he's a guy that, you know, he's not, he's not your typical number one. He is a Wes Welker type possession wide receiver And Richie James Jr. will be the number two. And Richie James Jr. is a guy that is uh, most known for returning punts. So he's not really um, a number two wide receiver. The 49ers will be down to their backup tight end. Uh, They will be down their starting left tackle. So the offensive line is in shambles because your left left tackle is out. Uh, Your center is out. Your right guard, I believe, is out as well. So... I honestly, how can Nick Mullins win this game? As much as as much love I have for Nick Mullins, I just can't see him beating the mighty Green Bay Packers with a bunch of third stringers, fourth stringers, and fifth stringers. I mean, if he does it, God bless him, and the 49ers should sign him to a 10-year extension immediately because they found their franchise quarterback. But I just don't see Nick Mullins with these guys that he has at his disposal winning this game against the Packers. I don't think it's going to be close. I just think that t- the uh, the headline around tomorrow's game, when it's all said and done, will be that the 49ers just couldn't get anything going on offense because their top playmakers were all out due to either injury or COVID. And I just think it's going to be a poop fest tomorrow at Levi Stadium.
2: Yeah, I'm in agreement. I already picked Green Bay to win the game. I filled out my picks. Can pick them back on Tuesday uh, when the week started again. Just to kind of get that out of the way and prep for the upcoming week. But with all the news though, and all of the ongoing issues plaguing the Niners right now, I it's hard to imagine a ball club like the Niners, who's been the walking dead practically all season with injuries, and now COVID on top of injuries again with no uh, with no Kittle, no Garoppolo, and again Nick Mullins the starting quarterback now. It seems to be like a Herculean task, I'd say, to see a ball club like San Francisco try to take down a very lethal and very good Green Bay ball club again, who still has so many weapons despite A.J. Dillon's positive test. Again, you're looking at Rodgers, Devontae Adams, and plenty of other guys that can uh, carry that load, though. And I think that Isaiah is right, though. Before we go back to Isaiah to let him add on to his point, though, I don't see this game being close at all. It could be a very big blowout, uh, perhaps, for Green Bay, but Isaiah will let you add on, though, what he got for us.
1: And I I feel bad for Nick Mullins because, you know, I've been saying multiple times on this show and other programs here on the MI6 Sports Network that, you know, I think Nick Mullins, um, he has a chance to be a very good quarterback in the NFL. But And I also said this, that these – final eight games of this regular season that Nick Mullins was going to start, these were the eight games that Nick Mullins had got to ball out in and show the rest of the world that he was starting quarterback material if he wanted to achieve his dream of being a starting quarterback in the NFL, whether it's in San Francisco or whether it's in Chicago or anywhere else. These were the eight games that were going to define his career in the NFL, and the first game that he's going to go, uh, that he's going to play. He's going to be missing all of his weapons. He's going to be down to third stringers and fourth stringers. I just can't see Nick Mullins doing it uh, with uh, these bums that he's going to be playing with.
2: Yeah, it's certainly uh, a very bad poker hand dealt right now to the uh, Saints. But again, folks, as of now, but still per reports gathered, the Thursday night football game between Green Bay and San Francisco is still on the schedule. Again, a 520 Pacific time kickoff from Levi Stadium in Santa Clara, California. Game is on Fox and also, I believe, to the NFL Network. Uh, guys, with that in mind, some very interesting comments made by the very uh, loudmouth owner of the Dallas Cowboys, one Jerry Jones fellas, made earlier Wednesday morning and I found it to be very, very interesting of uh, Mr. Jones. But uh, Jones, on his weekly radio appearance on uh, 105.3 The Fan down in Dallas, uh, did give a bit of uh, some insight to uh, Patrick Walker of CBSSports.com fellas and uh, those of you watching us. Uh, in regards to perhaps, Jones uh, was asked, though, guys, about his thoughts about the Cowboys tanking the remainder of the season. And Jones gave a very long-winded, uh, long-winded answer earlier on Wednesday by saying the following quote to 105.3 The Fan on Tuesday. Quote, tanking has nothing to do with the performance of a player, the performance of a coach, the performance of getting better, the performance of things you do to try to win the ball game in my mind. Could you make a decision to play a younger player more or a player uh, that you're going to be pretty firm, that you're going to be going forward with and contract-wise than a different situation? And the answer is, hyphen, hyphen, I can see that. Yeah, I can see that you make sure that, uh, that, uh, that you get these guys, those reps. The only way to have and get better in the NFL is for reps and game reps are precious, hard to come by. And you don't get them by just that issue if you're sitting there competing Uh, for the championship, close quote. Loosely translated, Jones is saying if the Cowboys were in contention for a Super Bowl, they would not have the opportunity to throw a crop of young talent all over the field at multiple positions, but he also isn't writing the season off, currently in third place in the lowly NFC East and having only one win fewer than the first place Philadelphia Eagles, whom Dallas just lost to in week eight of the season. The fact that team opted to trade defensive end Everson Griffin to Detroit in exchange for a conditional 2021 sixth round pick and then release both defensive end um Don Terry Poe and cornerback Daryl uh, Worley hints at a at a uh, potential uh, uh or hints at a continued uh, squirreling away of 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 a salary cap space but also clears a path for young players on the roster to see the light of day. John, we know, of course, buddy, that Jerry Jones, every single NFL season is hell-bent on getting to the Super Bowl and winning the Super Bowl. We know about how Jerry Jones operates. But, John, seeing how the Dallas Cowboys season has somewhat gone down the drain, Dak Prescott injured, Annie Dalton injured, put on the reserve COVID list, uh, Ben DiNucci benched for a fourth-string quarterback and maybe a fifth-string quarterback coming up this Sunday against a unbeaten Pittsburgh ball club, John, where do you stand about Jerry Jones's long-winded answer, but more so perhaps hinting at both finishing off the season strong or perhaps going down the tank to try to get a better draft pick?
0: Well, they're not in the best shape to win the Super Bowl. However, they are still in perfect position to possibly clinch a playoff spot. Given the fact that that is a weak division, that division is still up for grabs, so their playoff hopes are still very much alive you know for for the Dallas Cowboys but i wouldn't be surprised if Jerry Jones plan plans are to tank um you know and possibly secure a top pick in the upcoming NFL draft why because he's trying to rebuild you know around what he has now he has arguably one of the best running backs in the game in Ezekiel Elliott. He had Dak Prescott, who he still has so much faith in. It's unfortunate that his season came to an end after that crushing injury that I, I think deflated that entire Dallas Cowboys team. The Cowboys were already a bad team coming into the season. Everything just, you know, snowballed out of control for them uh, this season. They've been ravaged by injuries. They haven't been able to, you know, um, you know, compile wins. They haven't played well. Their defense looks horrible. Their defense cannot come up with the stops that they need. They definitely need help on the defensive uh, side of the field. And I think if they do land a top pick in the upcoming NFL draft, I do think that's something they need to address their defense. I think they're in dire need for a, a a good defensive player somewhere, particularly in their secondary, maybe even their front line. They need some help. He, uh, they need a lot of help defensively. We know how stellar they are offensively. Uh, they have a lot of weapons, and Dak Prescott had a lot of weapons at his disposal um, on that offense. You know, you you talk about the number of guys that you know, he could, uh, pass the football to, um, you know, it's, it's a lot of great playmakers on that team. You have the rookie CD, C. D. lamb, then you have uh Gallup, then you, you, you know, you have Amari Cooper. So there's guys out there. He, he's surrounded with talent, but it's unfortunate that the Dallas Cowboys have caught the injury bug. And now that they have Jerry Jones, feels the best option for his team is to possibly tank the rest of the NFL season. Now, I'm not the one for tanking because I think you put your best product out there on the field. Um, But being that this is a pandemic year and there's really no fans in attendance for these games, I think this is a perfect year that you could tank because you don't have to necessarily worry about your best product being out there on the field, Um, you know, at, at times like, Like this. Um, Maybe there's fans, of course, watching on TV. But still, the Dallas Cowboys feel this is the best option for them. Jerry Jones. And um, if Jerry Jones say that's what they're going to do, then that's what they're going to do. Because in Jerry's world, it's either his way or there's no way.
2: Isaiah, I will say, man, that this is probably the first time a Christy Wilson guy said it best so that the Cowboys have never tanked since Jerry Jones took ownership of the of the ball club. But Isaiah, I think, though, man, that, you know, we know about Jerry Jones's rhetoric. We know, of course, it's, you know, Super Bowl or bust every single season. You know, we have to get to the Super Bowl. I want to win the Super Bowl. You know, it's always about the Super Bowl. You know, I said earlier on Wednesday morning, it's eat, sleep, dream about the Super Bowl in Jerry Jones's world or mind and then go, and then repeat, eat, sleep. Super Bowl repeat. Eat, sleep, Super Bowl repeat. That's pretty much all that Jerry Jones really thinks about in my in uh, in my opinion. I think a lot of people would agree though, because again, he very, you know, demands that to, you know, and again shows that competitive fire. But however though, Isaiah John is on to a great point, though, where this might be the one time that Jerry Jones has to kind of in a way face the music or listen to the music. And yes, they are close to a divisional lead in a very, very, very miserable. Terrible dumpster fire of a division in the NFC East. Again, you have everyone below 500, and the Eagles right now lead that division, still below 500. But with the injury to, to but with the injuries to both Dak Prescott and Andy Dalton, a very bad defense right now, an O line very shaky as well. Your third string quarterback is bench after one start. You bring in a fourth string, and now a fifth string quarterback, and with problem after problem after problem piling up on the plate. Isaiah, do you believe that this probably becomes a season though, where Jerry Jones may have to just bite the Bolton to say, hey, enough's enough for this year. Time to tank.
1: Yeah, I think so. Because right now the Cowboys, they are down to their stringer at quarterback in Ben DiNucci. They might even go to Cooper Rush who is their fourth stringer um, offensively. We know how potent it, they are, but when you don't really have a competent quarterback, you can't really make that offense go. And also on defense, the Cowboys defense is just utterly terrible. Uh, you know, their issues have been well-documented all year. And if you look at their schedule right now, the Dallas Cowboys are two and six. But if you look at the remaining game, they have – Versus the Pittsburgh Steelers at home, they have at the Minnesota Vikings, they have versus Washington football team at Baltimore Ravens, at the Cincinnati Bengals, versus the San Francisco 49ers, versus the Philadelphia Eagles, and at the New York Giants. Their schedule is not that tough. But considering the fact that their defense has been giving up 30 plus points a game and making whoever, whichever quarterback that they play look like the second coming of Joe Montana or Steve Young or even Tom Brady. I just don't see a way for the Dallas Cowboys to pile up wins, which they're going to have to, if they want to get back in the NFC East race. So I think that the Cowboys season is done. Um, I think that um, for their top pick that they're going to get in this upcoming NFL draft, I know John talked about them getting a defensive player, but let me throw you guys a wild idea. I know that This might sound preposterous to think about because they have Dak Prescott, who is a phenomenal quarterback when healthy. But I could honestly. I could honestly see Jerry Jones and the Dallas Cowboys drafting a quarterback if they land a the top three pick. Because we know how Jerry in the offseason, he didn't want to pay Dak all the money that he wanted. Well, now Dak Prescott is going to be coming back from a severe broken ankle injury. You don't know how he's going to be coming off that injury. So, I think that Jerry Jones could drop the quarterback because he could drop the quarterback to replace Dak Prescott thinking that, hey, Prescott might not be the same as he once was. And, you know, I don't want to pay him like how much millions and millions of dollars that he wants uh, for him just to not be the same player he was uh, before the injury. So I could see Jerry Jones drafting a quarterback with their top uh, top three pick and get one
2: if they get that far again, as mentioned, you're still you're still talking about a winless Jets team. you're talking about a one win ball club right now and uh, a one you know a one win team with the Giants. you're looking at you know multiple two win teams. So maybe not a top three top five maybe top 10, but I don't see them being anywhere close to the, the top three at this juncture, Christy also adds that the defense needs help as does the offensive line as I already alluded to. Uh, Christy also says, That Jerry is competitive to a fault, and he's also too stubborn to listen to reason from anyone. Definitely agree. That's why he's in charge of practically all of football operations, as John agrees. And also, as well, the Cowboys are not picking Trevor Lawrence. Isaiah, don't give her any false hope, as you have over the past.
0: You you know know what it is, too, with Jerry Jones, and I talked about this before as well. He does not want to give up power. Until he gives up power, then this team might actually have a chance of getting back to the Super Bowl. But he doesn't want to give up power, and that has done more harm to his franchise than it has helped it. Um, I think that's been well documented as well. You know, Jerry Jones has not hired a general manager to oversee his franchise. I think he needs to sit back, be more of an owner. You know, put aside his ego and hire a general manager who knows what he's doing, who's able to make personnel decisions and, you know, get the right pieces for this team to have a great chance at possibly winning the Super Bowl that has eluded this Cowboys team for a very long time, since the 90s.
2: Isaiah Ketter respond.
1: Yeah, um, I just wanted to respond to Christy's comment about Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, I don't think Dallas is going to get Trevor Lawrence because they're not as bad as the Jets. But I'm talking about like Justin Fields or Trey Lance or even Zach Wilson from BYU who who has shot up into the first round. Maybe a Mac Jones. uh, Jerry Jones knows Mac Jones well because Jerry Jones – He's uh he went to Arkansas. He is a big time Arkansas Razorbacks donor. He watches a lot of Mac Jones, uh, because you know Alabama plays Arkansas in the SEC. So I could see Mac Jones being a quarterback that they could consider. But I and I also think you know Dallas drafting a quarterback is not a really not a crazy idea considering, you know, I just don't think Jerry wants to pay Dak Prescott all that money that he wants given that he might not be the same player he once was with that injury that he's coming back from.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Again, you, you you probably want to hope for the best though, but if things don't pan out right and you're paying that guy that much money, you could be in some deep, deep trouble. And Christie also agrees. I've been someone who's said in the past that Jerry needs to hire an actual general manager. I mean, pretty much like I've said though, Jerry is owner of a team general manager Associate head coach by nature and biggest, and by far the biggest micromanager in all of professional sports. I don't know if you guys agree or not.
0: That's too much for one guy. That's a heavy task for one guy. He needs to hand over some of those responsibilities to an experienced and seasoned general manager who could possibly turn things around in Dallas.
1: Isaiah? Don't be surprised if Jerry uh, gets really disgusted with a quarterback play on the field this upcoming weekend with Cooper Rush or Ben DiNucci and he decides to come
2: down from the owner's box and suit up and play quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. What's the meme (laughs) that always goes around the web when the Cowboys lose? If you have a Cowboys jersey and you live within a certain mile of Dallas practices at at 10 a.m. every Monday or Tuesday, that may be the case pretty soon. It's going to be open tryouts with fans pretty soon. (laughs) Christy also says control freak describes Jerry Jones perfectly control freak, micromanager, both the same thing with that guys. Final topics for the night are in the NBA. And that of course guys is a inevitable vote being done on Thursday per both Adrian Wojnowski and Zach Lowe of ESPN.com. But per both writers uh, guys, the NBA board of governors and players association will hold separate meetings on Thursday expected to culminate with the agreement to start the upcoming 2020, 2021 season. 3 days before Christmas at a reduced 72 game schedule per sources telling ESPN the National Basketball Players Association or the NBPA is planning to take a formal vote of the team player reps late Thursday with sources also saying that uh, telling ESPN that everything is in is uh, that everything is progressing toward a agreement on a pre-Christmas start to the upcoming season. The NBPA is also holding team conference calls this week, including several on Wednesday, that detailed discussions with the league on a salary uh, on salary escrow for players in the range of the 18% for the next two years. Sources also tell ESPN, with sources saying that the team reps are expected to approve the agreement. The league and players are still negotiating that escrow figure, also per sources. This comes in wake, though, as well, of Commissioner Adam Silver, and the board of governors awaiting a formal acceptance of the uh, start date and both sides expect that uh, expect that'll happen this week. Now John, I think that there's a lot of pros and cons, more so in my mind cons with the season starting as 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 early as it is in my mind because you're talking about the longest NBA season to date going an entire year from October to October. And again, you had a shutdown with the global pandemic. You had a shutdown as well for, again, boycotts of games for social injustice, again, in wake of the uh, shooting in Kenosha, Wisconsin, led by the Bucks and led by a lot of the other uh, ball clubs down there. But again, John, the longest NBA season of our lifetime comes to a close. And here we're looking at getting the NBA back underway December 22nd three days before Christmas in a 72-game season schedule. John, give us your thoughts here about, the. again, as mentioned, it sounds to me, though, that it's inevitable that we see a Christmas start for the NBA, again, literally, man, after the longest NBA season in history just concluded roughly three or four weeks ago, it seems like.
0: It feels like only yesterday, since this unprecedented season finally wrapped up, It took a long time for them to complete last season. Um, It was a trying and challenging year um, for the NBA, for its players, for its fans, for everybody. And for them to quickly turn around and begin another season is a bit, you know, uh, crazy to me. It's insane because these guys are trying to catch their breath now finally after the season came to an end, and now they have to do a quick turnaround and play basketball again? LeBron is not for that. LeBron I don't think is going to play in December. Uh, I I wouldn't expect to see him until January. I think a lot of players might follow his lead with him being the – the face of the nba they might say hey you know we're gonna do what lebron is doing since he's like the leader of the nba since he's like that veteran guy that um ambassador for a lot of the younger players it seems i think they'll just follow his lead and say hey you know what we're gonna sit it out for a little bit we still need to uh some time to uh get loose to uh get fresh and to uh you know, have a chance to uh, get our bodies prepared for the upcoming season. Because, Colin, they won't have enough time. They're not going to have enough time to really prepare for the season. And we talked about this before, too. This can lead to a number of injuries. You can see a lot of players getting injured early in the season uh, because they didn't have enough time to prepare and get their bodies ready for um, – you know what would be a what will be a very grueling and tedious season, um, especially to start with the season just now coming back after just ending uh, the season, and, and you're gonna quickly go into another one. Um, there's pros and cons to it. The pros is that there will be basketball, and that you know um, they will have a chance to play what 72 games. So it, it it wouldn't really be an abstract attached to it because you still play um, a, a number of games, enough games uh, to um, crown a champion in the end. That that's a that's a positive outlook there. But then the cons is that a lot of players will you know suffer injuries. Um, you know another con is a lot of these players um are not healthy. Some of them are still recovering from injuries from last season. Um, and then that puts a lot of pressure on their injuries, and they could reactivate those injuries. You know, I know um, Steph Curry will be healthy this season. I know Clay Matthews will be healthy. This season, the Warriors will look like that championship team again. But then even you're putting them at risk, too, because they're coming back from significant injuries. And so is Kevin Durant. And, you know, some of these guys are still rehabbing their bodies. So I I think it's too quick to come back. I think the fitting time uh, for the season to begin, once again, will be on Martin Luther King Day.
2: Isaiah, I think that a lot of us agree, though, that this just seems to be a wee bit out of control and probably maybe the first mistake that we've seen Adam Silver probably make in his brief time. It feels like brief time, though. He's been the NBA commissioner post-David Stern's retirement, though. But this might, but to me, Isaiah, I know, of course, that, that, that this is going to boil down, though, sadly, man, to the revenue and the money. Again, if you're looking at a January start date, you're looking at perhaps about 500 million to a billion dollars in lost revenue by the NBA. And also that the NBA is pretty much in a way said, you know, we're going to play games with or without fans pretty much across the board. But Isaiah, the fact though, that, that the players are going to say yes to this. I get, of course, that, that there's more players that there's players across the NBA that aren't with the Lakers or with Miami or with teams that are in the postseason, like Golden state, Atlanta, Cleveland, uh, you know, uh, teams that didn't make that were not back in the bubble because of their records. At the same time, though, Isaiah, this becomes an NFL COVID situation in my mind. If player health and safety was a paramount proportions for the NBA and not the revenue being lost by one more month of being away from the game, then they would have started this back and uh, started the season in January in my mind. But Isaiah, it's pretty much inevitable, man, that we're going to be having uh, uh, hoops back in some capacity starting uh, right around Christmas this year. But Isaiah, like we said, though, man, plenty of pros, but I think, though, more so a lot more cons than pros in this situation. Probably, pro- and probably, Isaiah, in my mind, the first big lose-lose situation under Adam Silver's watch in the NBA. Gosh darn it, Xfinity. Why are you down again?
1: Damn it, I just lost Callen.
2: Isaiah, you're on. We can hear you. <laughs> but I guess apparently not. Uh, John, that does though, folks bring me to a very valid point that I wanted to bring up though, again, as we wait for Isaiah to get back on here, John is, um, the, is, uh, the schedule format because that the, the schedule format has been a very big talking point in my mind for the NBA, but also as so well for the NHL to come back, you know, for both the NBA and the NHL again, both those leagues, again, having a very long regular season again, due to the nature of the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic. Um, John Morseau with a 72 game season schedule, is it possible in your mind that the NBA could pull off a regular season where you have the matchups of the Lakers going to play Brooklyn or Boston or the Knicks, or is this going to have to be a year though, John, where you have to say, you know what, we got to pull a major league baseball here and pull the parachute and just go the route of playing conference only for the regular season.
0: I think that they will keep it regional and they have the right commissioner that would do such a thing because Adam silver has handled this entire situation better than any other commissioner out there with the upset, with the exception of uh, Gary Bettman. I think he's done a terrific job as well for the NHL, Uh, but Adam silver, no one came close. Handling the whole entire situation the way Adam Silver did. And I think without Adam Silver as NBA commissioner, he will put safety first. He will make sure all the players are safe and that they stay healthy. And the one way to do that is by keeping them regional. You know if the lakers are gonna travel travel to arizona to take on the phoenix suns travel to uh uh portland to play the portland trailblazers travel to sacramento you you get what i'm saying right Uh, keep, keep them on the west coast when they travel uh vice versa the knicks are the brooklyn nets they play each other in new york keep them on the east coast. They'll meet the Celtics. Um, The Raptors are most likely going to stay in Buffalo or or play even they might even uh, play in Louisville, Kentucky, from my understanding. Correct. Um, So that'll be a, a, a another traveling spot for a number of East Coast teams. I think you keep the East Coast teams on the east. You keep the West Coast teams on the west. You try to keep the teams in the Midwest in the Midwest together and saying you try to keep the teams in the soft uh, together there as well. I think that less travel uh, will, you know, um, keep this virus from spreading. I think I think you won't see too much of an outbreak if you do it that way. And I think right now you still have to be smart uh, by the way you choose uh, to schedule these games because you want to cut down on travel as much as you can to be able to mitigate the spread of this uh, terrible virus that is still here in our country. We have to realize that we're still in the middle of this pandemic. And I know Adam Silver is very aware of that. And I know when the time comes, he'll make the right decision and he'll make the decision, the decision that's best for his league and for the players and for the coaching staff and everyone else involved.
2: Isaiah, before we get to you, though, man, this uh, GIF is for you. (laughs) That is because, Isaiah, we heard you scream at the top of your lungs about Xfinity and your internet going out live on the air. So great job, buddy, because I was in the middle of asking you. And when we went to you, of course, we lost connection, and we heard all of that get blurted out across the World Wide Web. So great job, buddy. With that in mind, we'll go back over to you, though, Isaiah, for your thoughts, though, as mentioned, about the uh, inevitable vote, though, that will take place with the uh, NBA against starting pretty much right around Christmas this year. And again, probably the first major lose-lose situation that the NBA has had uh, during Adam Silver's tenure as NBA commissioner. Did you guys hear like the beginning of my rant when I was talking about this, or did you guys not hear that at all? No, we just heard you uh, cursing out your uh, internet provider, and that was it. Okay. Uh, so my thoughts on this is
1: I am very surprised that the NBA players actually agreed to this proposal, because if you had heard the back, like there was a lot of backlash uh, when the NBA first threw this out there. And, you know, you had players threatening to sit out. I think Danny Green um, said on the Colin Cowherd show that uh, LeBron James, if they did start december 22nd you wouldn't see him for a month uh, other players uh, had said similar statements i'm just really surprised that the players ended up agreeing to this um like john said uh, there's going to be a lot of uh you know the, the con about this is that there's going to be a lot of injuries earlier in the year because you know there's a lot of players that haven't played basketball since what like last year since I think what when did the season shut down? Like February of March uh, or March? Yeah, so they haven't played basketball in a long time, and that it's going to take them a ton of time just to ramp up and get into basketball shape. Uh, for the season. And then you're going to have the other players that played in the bubble that just came off playing basketball for one whole calendar year. Granted, you did have a three-month break in between, but still, you know, nonstop workouts, nonstop training, and then playing basketball, whether it was pickup basketball uh, during the quarantine and then going to play in the bubble. There's just going to be a lot of injuries um, in the beginning part of the season because you're going to have players, uh, as I said earlier, not in shape from that long layoff, other players just coming off uh, the bubble and you know, only getting one and, or one-and-a-half month to rest. So that's the biggest con. And I also think you're going to see a lot of loan management early on, especially guys like LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard, uh, Chris Paul, Um Possibly Devin Booker, Donovan Mitchell, guys that played longer, longer into the bubble, uh, and you know teams that you know they they don't really care that much about the regular season because for them, like they know that they're gonna make it to the playoffs. It's just about uh, how they're gonna do in the playoffs. So you're gonna see a lot of loan management, I believe, earlier in the season. Um, I don't see LeBron James playing uh, a game until possibly like Jan, like mid-January because I think he's going to take the first month off. So that's like the biggest con, especially for the fans. But in terms of like the other NBA team that didn't play, um, I, I'm excited for them because, you know, they finally get to play basketball after like a eight, nine-month layoff. And, you know, they can go in there and, you know, try to battle it out. And as a basketball fan, I'm really happy that we're going to see basketball in December. Uh, Because, you know, we're not going to have that much time to uh, in between seasons to wait. So, I mean, it's there's a lot of good and bad. But for me, I just feel like it's just kind of too rushed on the NBA's part, because now you're going to have to rush free agency. You're going to have to rush the draft. And I, I really foresee bad consequences with this move.
2: And who knows, maybe we'll be having a NBA draft special show here on the MI6 Sports Network in a couple of weeks. Who knows about that? Uh, Martin Garcia, guys, writes, and he agrees about it with it being regional play, regional, baby. Definitely agrees about it being conference versus conference with no crossover. And also he says, I heart MI6. And uh, Christy writes in to say, technical issues, laughing face emoji in regards to uh, Isaiah, who is reacting. Isaiah, what do you got for us, man? What on earth is going on?
1: Cue the breaking news segment, Callan.
2: Oh, boy. Here we go, folks. According by the by the way, if this involves the election, I'm going to stop the stream and kick us off the air. Don't worry, it has nothing to do with
1: the election. But Talon, John, my dream, my lifelong dream might finally come true. According to a report, Devin Booker, the the worst kept secret in the NBA is that Devin Booker wants out of Phoenix. That's the worst kept secret in the NBA. Obviously, he's got three more years left on his contract. But, hey, if he's disgruntled in Phoenix and he's disgruntled enough to, you know, leak all this stuff out, saying he wants out and stuff, who knows? Devin Booker might be a Los Angeles Laker, and my dream will finally come true.
2: John, I don't know if this is really a monumental breaking story, but it certainly is very interesting, though, considering that Booker has kind of been the main guy with the Suns. Uh, on a, you know, a ball club that has been just, you know, stuck in the past, you know, and reliving the, the glory days of seven seconds or less for the 93 Suns that lost to the Bulls in the finals of the 76 team that lost to the uh, Celtics back then. But, John, you know, honestly, we don't really know the whole scope of it. We don't know if it's even, you know, pretty much a credible source coming out, though, about Booker's airing out his laundry. But, John... I would think though that probably that as time goes on though and you kind of feel like an organization is kind of wasting your prime and wasting your you know wasting years of your career, you're bound to have this happen though. So John, what do you make about this potentially huge news in the NBA?
0: I'm not surprised that he wants out of Phoenix. Look, they were the hottest team in the bubble when the NBA season restarted. Um, you know, he basically dragged that team on his back. And, you know. It was just a magical run for them in the bubble. Um, And he was spectacular. And I feel like he's a one-man show there. I think he knows that. I think he realizes that. I think he sees that there's a number of teams on the rise in the West and that there's a number of teams uh, that's getting better and that wants to compete at such a high level. And he believes that he can – go somewhere else and have a chance to contend for a title and I think he wants to do that. You put him on a team with superstar talent and there you go. You might have a chance to get to the NBA finals because that's just how impactful of a player he is, that's how great of a guard he is. He's a stud. Um, you know, he's definitely in his prime. He has definitely proven that he can play The guard position, well, Um, he's, from what I can see, he's one of the best shooters in the game of of basketball. Um, So, you know what? If he wants out, trade him. It'll be interesting. I I think there will be a number of suitors um, in play for him. And there's a lot of teams out there that would love um, to have a guy like Devin Booker uh, because of his uh tenacity, because of his um ability to shoot the basketball, and also his playmaking skills as well. Um he can do it he can do it all. You know, he can score from mid-range. He can hit the the he can knock down the three. Um you know and I don't want to, you know, um stir up anything or ruffle anyone's feathers, but his game kind of does resemble kobe bryant i'm not saying he's better than kobe and that's where people get it twisted They, they think i'm saying he's better than kobe i'm not saying that by any means what i'm saying is that when you see this guy's style of play he emulates kobe bryant a lot um you know he has that mamba mentality that's what i like about him his mentality he, you know, he has that mindset, that winning mindset, that attitude um, that he wants to win, and he plays with a lot of confidence. You know, he plays with a with a with a lot of heart, and he plays with a lot of energy. And I think a, a number of teams would love to have him on the team. So I I expect teams to start making phone calls to the Phoenix Suns, and I expect a number of teams to entertain offers.
2: Isaiah, you know, I, I think I said it, though, buddy, pretty much, and James Gonzalez, guys, writes in, the Suns can't get anything right, arena, management, and roster issues. And also, uh, that's definitely agreed, though. Again, they're, I believe, doing a very massive renovation of Talking Stick Resort Arena in downtown Phoenix right now. But, Isaiah, I think, though, that pretty much John said it right. I think I said it right, though, too, is when you go to an organization, Sally, like the Suns, who, again, have had maybe three. Three good years in franchise history again. 76, 93, maybe the era of Nash coming back for a second time with Dan Tony, seven seconds or less, though. And there's not a lot to hang your hat on. And then you see, and then you see this Ball Club go down the tubes post the seven seconds or less era, uh, uh, Suns led ball clubs. And it's been year after year of bad draft picks, coaching turnovers, uh, and a lot of, you know, aging veterans who have been there and they, they've not done their job to help this ball club out where Devin Booker's kind of been that guy, you know, he was supposed to be the savior of the Suns organization in people's minds. And when I, even when I met him five years ago, when he was drafted at, you know, first round 15th overall out of Kentucky, uh, the kid was very shy, very soft-spoken. But now though, it kind of seems like though that, you know, it was obviously great that he got drafted and all, but as time goes on though, and you don't make any progress and you keep being stuck with 12th place finishes or, bottom part of the conference finishes you're not in the postseason running you're losing you know games consistently and you know you come from a program like Kentucky where you're winning all the time losing takes a toll on you and I could see though why you know this news comes out though but I say we'll let you add on though about again folks some potential big news here again with this breaking news story again but per Isaiah and reports gather but again folks Devin Booker possibly on his way out of Phoenix but Isaiah what do you got for us though man
1: yeah, so obviously we're going to be monitoring this situation over the coming months. But according to the report, the re- couple reasons why Booker wants out is because number one, uh, he's still not over uh, the Suns. Tr- getting rid of his best friend, Tyler Eulis who was his teammate at the University of Kentucky. And he feels betrayed by it because, you know, he felt like as the franchise player, you know, you got to tell me uh, every move that happens in this organization. And you guys didn't tell me that you guys were going to release my best friend. You guys just did it. And the second reason uh, why Booker reportedly wants out, according to this report, and I think this is a bigger reason over the Tyler Eulis situation, but, Devin Booker reportedly feels like the Phoenix Suns are a sixth seed at best when it comes to their ceiling, and they will never be anything better than a sixth seed, and he just wants to get out and just wants to compete for championships.
2: So both uh, friendship ties with Tyler Ulis. He plus- wants to
0: play with LeBron, baby. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. So, I don't know that for sure.
2: So both uh- – <laughs> So both it is the release of, uh, again, good friend from college and Tyler Uless, and also, again, perhaps the Suns being a bottom third in the top eight for the Western Conference standings, though. But knowing our luck, he'll go to the Clippers probably and not do anything there or go to Minnesota or go to Boston. Who knows what will happen with that, honestly. Uh, Guys, speaking of the Celtics, though, as we wrap up for the night, though, guys, very interesting story, though, read earlier today on ESPN.com. But John and Isaiah, per reports, gathered, though, but the Celtics, are in a prime position to trade away all three of their first-round picks in the upcoming NBA draft, set for, as mentioned, folks, on November 18th, due to again not really wanting to waste those picks, perhaps in the late to uh, the late uh, the le- uh, latter part of round one, again, and also pretty much saying that they're already built to win a championship with the with the roster of Tatum, Brown, and Smart. Uh, John, I made a comparison earlier this morning that the Lakers, I believe, back in the 80s. You probably can correct me if I'm wrong, though, but the Lakers, I believe. Uh, made a trade with the New Orleans Jazz back then when the Jazz were in New Orleans. They dealt away fan favorite and longtime vet Gail Goodrich, I believe to the Jazz for a later or for like draft pick compensation. The Lakers win the NBA title and that number one draft pick the next year becomes big game James Worthy. I believe 83, 84, 85, somewhere in that mm-hmm. time. But that we have seen some weird things happen though, John, with, Stuff like this happening I mean, now, of course, Boston has not heard any offers yet for all three of their picks. But they're picking, I believe, 14th, 26th, and 30th, I want to say. And Danny Ainge, uh, Ainge is pretty hell-bent on getting rid of those three draft picks to perhaps free up cap space to get it in pretty much in a year, though, where it's going to be very decreased, though, again, due to the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic. But also, for one, though, in my mind, Ainge pretty much says that he feels confident in the group of Jason Tatum, uh, Marcus Smart, and also Jalen Brown to win the championship in Boston. But also, them, I believe, not bringing back Gordon Hayward could free up money for them to perhaps land a Booker or even a Giannis Antetokounmpo with that free agency money. But, John, your thoughts about Celtics perhaps dealing away all three of their first-round picks in the upcoming NBA draft on November 18th.
0: Well, it says a lot about the Boston Celtics, and what it tells you is that they're going to be incredibly active in the draft. Um, That's what it tells you. And it also tells you that they are looking to land a top free agent, possibly free up cap space, make some moves here. This is not the first time. This sounds like something that Danny Ainge would do. This is not the first time Boston has given up uh, first-round picks um, to get better, you know, and Danny Ainge has been a mastermind for this team. He has done a good job as the architect of this Boston Celtics team. That's part of the reason why they are where they are now. That's why they ended up with Jason Tatum because of smart drafting and, and just making the wise choice in the NBA draft. They selected a, a top star in this league, and it's it has worked wonders for them. And now now that Danny Ainge is talking about uh, trading a number of his draft picks to possibly build a contending team, um, it says a lot about his character and about the, the competitor that he is. He was a competitor when he played, and now he's a competitor a, as an executive. And it also says a lot about a man who has confidence in this young core of his, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, and and Marcus Smart. Um, Jason Tatum, to me, and Jalen Brown are both um, the pop, probably the top wing wings in this league. Um, they've been uh, they've been remarkable. Uh, for the Celtics, and they have been very productive. There was times in the playoffs where they kind of folded and they disappeared in big games where the Celtics really needed them. But the Celtics believe that three mid-to-late first-round picks uh, will not dramatically improve the team. Uh, Danny Ainge is more of a general manager who wants to win now. I think we saw that when he made the trade for Uh, Kevin Garnett years ago as well, you know, put that big three together, Paul Pierce and uh, Ray Allen and and Kevin uh, Garnett. And what happened? It resulted in the championship, right? So I think he's looking uh, to not only secure more cap space, uh, but also land that top free agent uh, who might be available on the NBA market when that time comes.
2: Isaiah, you know, I, I believe that there's two players in my mind. One that I got to see play a bit, but one I never got to see play, sadly, because he was way before my time, that were probably the two best players to go from playing the game to becoming team general managers, Danny Ainge and Jerry West. We saw what Jerry West did with the Lakers for a long time up in Golden State and, of course, with the Clippers recently. And now, of course, Danny Ainge with, post his time playing with Boston, with the Suns, and now, of course, working... With the Celtics now, Isaiah, we have seen Danny Ainge, I think, really, in a way, put the Celtics, back when both Boston and L.A. were not very good, you know, recent years though, but Ainge put the Celtics in a better spot in my mind to win a championship before the Lakers would have because of how the Lakers were entrenched with so many problems though with, you know, uh, the Bus family and, you know, Magic Johnson, Mitch Kupchak's firing, But that Danny Ainge, though they didn't win a championship, though, Isaiah, I personally like, though, that Ainge put the Celtics in a better spot to contend right away than what the Lakers had done prior to them getting back and, of course, winning. But, Isaiah, any thoughts here about the Celtics maybe, again, dealing away all three of their first-round picks to potentially uh, do some very uh, big shopping over the course of the free agency period? What do you got?
1: Can you guys hear me? Yes we can. Yeah, sorry about that technical difficulties again. Um what but my thoughts on Yeah, it's nothing new. It's I mean it's 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 MI6. So MI6 there's always technical difficulties coming around. But my thoughts on this is they are built to win now, like you said, Callen. You know they got that core of Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Kemba Walker. Boston went to the Eastern Conference Finals this year. The Boston Celtics—they don't need any more, uh, like draft like they don't need any more young players what they need is they need to get that elusive superstar on that team which i believe if they do would help them take the next level and possibly win an nba championship that's how close boston is right now they're just missing that superstar player and you know they're like they're willing to deal away deal away three first round picks so that makes me wonder are they trying to get a Devin Booker? Because we know how Jason Tatum feels about him. Jason Tatum in an interview with JJ Reddick's podcast said that, you know, prior to Boston getting, uh, or Boston drafting him, he desperately wanted to go to Phoenix because Devin Booker is one of his best friends. So I'm thinking right now with the Devin Booker news that's coming out and with the news that Boston, uh, is willing to deal all third three picks for potentially a superstar. I am wondering, are like, are things aligning to get Booker to Boston to pair him with his good buddy, Jason Tatum? Because if Booker goes to uh, Boston, like Christy Wilson say, they are going to be a very, very dangerous ball club with Devin Booker added to that roster. But I also think that, you know, Right now, I, I just don't see, like, a suit. The right now, the, to I don't see there's to be any game-changing superstar that you could trade for. Obviously, you're not going to get Giannis Kumpo because Milwaukee's not going to trade him. They're going to try to compete this year, try to win a championship this year. And then if he goes, he goes. Uh, Victor Oladipo, he's coming off major ACL injury. Uh, he's not really going to make a difference on this roster um you do have Bradley Beal you could try to trade for him uh but I mean you already have great guards with Tatum and or not Tatum but Brown and Kemba so I, I don't know what Boston will do I honestly think that they should try to land a superstar big man because they really need help in the middle but I I just don't see any game changer uh to help Boston get to that next level
2: I mean, and again, it's still a very, er, very early. And again, the uh, markets haven't opened up for free agency yet. But again, folks, potentially the Celtics trading away all three, all three of their first round draft picks coming up this upcoming draft. Isaiah, what do you got for us?
1: I completely agree with what James Gonzalez put out there. Boston, he thinks, could also trade those picks for Nikola Vucevic, that beast of a center from the Orlando Magic. I think if they get Vucevic, that would be a game changer for them. Because, you know, Vucevic in like to every all the NBA fans across the world they don't really consider him a superstar but let me tell you something this guy is a beast i've watched him with orlando he averages 20 plus and 10 rebounds every night he could be the missing piece in the middle that could take boston to the next level with Tatum with Brown
0: and with Kemba and consider yeah he he could get a lot of attention in a big market city the way James Harden did when he went to Houston. I agree.
2: And again, also in a, in a, in a day, though, in a age, though, Pels, where it seems like big men are dying in regards to the center not really you know, doing what they used to do, though. Vucevic, Jokic, mainly but two guys that are very, very good, though. But again, we'll see what happens. But again, Anthony, this, uh, Davis. Anthony Davis, also another one. Uh, you know, Plenty of those guys, though, have been that way for a while. But again, folks, as mentioned, celtics holding three first round picks again potentially could deal all three away come draft night with that john and isaiah will now move on over and wrap things up with tonight's final thoughts all right boys time for the cows to come home on this wednesday isaiah will start with you for your final thoughts for tonight's program what do you got for us
1: Well, before I get into my final thoughts, I want to take some time right now and thank James Gonzalez, Christy Wilson, Martin Garcia, Chardo Gupta, uh, Casey King for viewing our show tonight. We really appreciate the love and the support that you guys give us every single night. So thank you so much for tuning in. Callan, John, my final thoughts. I just want to echo what I said last night on the night shift. And that was, I know right now in our country, there is a lot of tension and there will be a lot of tension even after the election is over. But regardless of who wins this election, whether it's Joe Biden or whether it's Donald Trump, Please don't go out there on the street and shoot and murder others, uh, riot, loot, set fires on the streets. Because if you do that, not only will you get yourself hurt badly or even killed or even get yourself into hot water, but first of all, you're not solving the issues that are arising in our country if you do that. And also, you're giving this country a very bad look and a black eye. So please, ladies and gentlemen, go out there. If you're going to go out there, go out there and peacefully protest and voice your displeasure peacefully. And please, don't turn to violence.
2: Very well said. John, we'll go over to you, buddy, for final thoughts for tonight's program. What do you got for us?
0: I want to thank everyone for their support. They're outpouring love and support. Thanks for, uh, you know, taking the time out of your night to listen to us and watch our show. We uh, really appreciate it uh, tremendously. It means a lot to us. Uh, you know, keep watching us, keep rooting for us, keep cheering us on, um, we're, we're glad that we can entertain you. Uh, but I wanna talk about division for a bit. Uh, that's a big issue in our country right now. Uh, this country has has not been as divided um, as it has been in a long time. And if we want to make progress in our country, we're going to have to come together as a nation. We're going to have to unite. You know, That's why this is called the United States. We have to put our differences aside you know, um, you know, uh, put our beliefs aside and and say, hey, you know what? We're Americans. It's time that we stand together as one united. We stand united. We fall. You know, we got to come together and be unified, not any of this division stuff where we're fighting and, and we're causing chaos. And, and, you know, we're we're, um, you know, shooting each other, killing each other. Um, that's not American like. That's really not American like. And if we want to get back to the America, uh, the America that we once were, well, we're gonna have to change some things. And it starts with you, you, you being unified. We're gonna have to be unified enough with this division and and dividing ourselves because that's that's not great for this country. That's not what this country represents. That's not what uh, you know, symbolizes us as a country. So I wish that no matter who win this election, I wish we can all come together as people and 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 forget about Democrat or Republican. We're all people here. We're all Americans, black, white, you know, Latino, Latina, uh, Asian, polka dot. I don't care who you are. We're all in this together and we need to, you know, stop, uh been so selfish and we need to stop being so inconsiderate and we need to start thinking about each and every one of us. We need to start thinking about everyone. It's not just about you. It's about your family. It's about your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers. You know um, the American people. It's a, it's about everyone because everyone has feelings and everyone has family and everyone is entitled to their opinions and everyone is entitled to their beliefs. So we have to respect each other. We have to uh, take a time and 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 study each other's ethnicities, cultures, and get a better understanding of of people's. Uh, cultures, and where they come from, and who they are, and and how we identify them. Um, if we do that, we can become a better country. I think understanding is a, is a huge part of becoming a better country. I think we need better comprehension and understanding the importance of that. And if we do that, we can win big in this country. And I believe we can do that.
2: Isaiah, go for it.
1: Yeah, you know, I just want to add on to what John had to say. This is exactly why yesterday on Election Day, I didn't wear red. I didn't wear blue. I wore purple because red and blue equals purple. And it doesn't matter whether you're Democrat. It doesn't matter if you're Republican. It doesn't matter if you're red. It doesn't matter if you're blue. Like John said, we need to put aside our differences and come together as one and make purple. So that's why I wore this shirt, uh, even though it says Devin Booker, but I wore this shirt to signify that we need to be together, not divided between parties.
2: And folks, like I usually say, though, but in times of crisis, in times of natural disasters, in times of political unrest, and in times of many other unfortunate things, though, folks, but that's why, though, despite Differences, that's what makes the sports world, folks, so beautiful because it brings people together like myself, John, Isaiah, the rest of the cast and crew here in a unified way. And we can only hope that the country and uh, our nation could go back to being a unified matter. And hopefully as time does, in fact, move on, we'll be back to where we once were, hopefully sometime sooner than later. But of course, folks, we thank you as always for uh, joining us uh, here today, hopefully we provide you folks with some type of a stress reliever over the past uh, day or two. We'll do our best to still be that stress reliever for you again with all the uh, stuff going on uh, across the uh, the world. And for that matter, as mentioned with the ongoing results of the election. But again, we'll do our best, folks, to come back on Thursday, Friday and over the weekend to again give you a stress reliever, an outlet away from what, of course, has been going on uh, over the course of the week. But with that, folks, for John Mathis, Isaiah Young, and for the entire cast and crew here, folks on the MI6 Sports Network, as John will walk off the set. We'll see you folks back here for Fan Response on Thursday. And, of course, we're back with No BS on Friday. And also oh, the night shift is back on Saturday and Sunday. And who knows, folks, you might see Isaiah wearing a cheese head on Friday's episode of No BS. So we'll see how things go. My but man can-
0: Spike Lee on my shirt today. My man Spike Lee. Give some love to Spike Lee, one of the best directors out there of all time.
2: Can I pull Motherfuck. a Reggie Miller and just go like this instead to, to Spike Lee? Is that, is that allowed or no? Yes, I'm, and, a no.
0: and a diehard Knicks fan.
2: That's why I gave the Reggie Miller choke sign, because yeah. of Spike Lee and the Knicks. <laughs> uh, in 97, 97 playoffs, whatever it was, 93, 97. was yes, it, so- around that time frame, but I've, I've, I've gone back and watched that clip, guys, so many times. It's just crazy how Reggie Miller just caught fire like that And John Starks missing free throws to end the game. Oh, man.
0: All of that happened in eight seconds.
2: So bad. But again, folks, John Mathis, Isaiah Leung, Cal McClurg saying goodnight. We'll see you folks back here as mentioned fan response on Thursday. And again, no BS with hopefully Isaiah wearing a cheese head on his head on Friday. And of course, tonight's just to recap all the college football on Saturday and NFL football on sunday till tomorrow folks have a good one so long sayonara farewell we are out of here good night folks bye bye